You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Just a, a member here at CLM Church, just, uh, just uh, honored to be part of this wonderful body of Christ. Um, so yeah, a, a real joy and honor to just be able to share a few words this morning on this exciting series we're in, Dare to Share. Now, yeah, it's true. Some of you may have seen me at the Go Weekend or maybe on the video, and I, I hear from others that they might have just seen me around. That, that just seems to happen with me. Um, some people have a real gift to be able to come in and out of a meeting. People don't even notice, like a mouse, you know. That's never been one of my gifts. Um, inconspicuency, you know, that's just not something that the Lord gifted me with. Uh, everyone notices when I stand. I was asked to move this morning because I'm getting in the way of the video, you know, things like this. It's just one of those things. I always seem to get in the way. People notice things. That's just the way things are, all right? It's okay, you know? Then, you know, and then people say, look, well, Malcolm, you should be able to see us from up there, you know? You've got this vantage point. You should see us. I said, look, you've got to look at it from my point of view, all right? You're seeing me like this, all right? It's very easy for you to spot me. Think about it from my perspective. I'm looking at everybody like this. I get to know everybody from the tops of their heads, you know? <laughs> now, some of you, some of you, it's a, <laughs> it's some, you know who you are. Uh, the tops of your heads are a little bit more unique than others, so, uh, <laughs> so that's helpful. But otherwise, I mean, spare a thought, you know? It's not so easy for me to spot people, you know? And here it's a bit like this. And then the Lord calls me to Thailand. And it's a little bit more like this. <laughs> <laughs> All right? I mean, that's just the reality of it. God's got a sense of humor. But I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. <laughs> How many times in Thailand did I get a, a, just a random stranger come up to me and say, Hey, how did you get so tall? Hey, hey thanks for asking. You know, the God of the universe, he created me this way. He knows my name. You know what? He created you too, and he knows your name. Straight in. Hey, wow, you know... <laughs> Take whatever God's put in your hands, or maybe for some of us, put in our legs, and uh, just take that and use that, all right? Everything's an opportunity, all right? And that's what this little series about Dare to Share is about. Now, you might not have the legs I've got. I've got to use what i got, but you've got something too. Everybody's here got something, all right? And that's what we want to get across today. We're all different, but we've all got something to share. So... Last week, that was brilliant, with Mark, he comes in and he's got these uh, wonderful, I just, I just really appreciate what Mark had to bring last week, and uh, he brought these little nuggets, I jotted a few of them down, one of them, the need was greater than my inadequacies, did you catch that one? That was brilliant, brilliant, so his friend can't swim so good, he jumps in the river, saves the guy, why? Because, yeah, he wasn't a great swimmer, but my goodness, the need was greater, and that's what this is about. How do we see people? The need out there. I see the Thai Buddhists. I'm thinking, that's a tough one for me, but my goodness, they have never had a chance to encounter Jesus before. Little or no access to the gospel. The need's huge. How inadequate do I feel? Well, the need was greater. I love that word. And then he had this, this other one. You are not called to save anybody. Jesus saves people. Our job is to present people to Jesus, all right? 
That's all God's asked us to do. His Holy Spirit, he's on the move all the time, 24-7, working in people's dreams. Even when we're not in their bedrooms, he is. You know, that's, that's what God's doing. And I'm, I could tell you about the dreams people are getting all across the world, particularly in the Muslim world these days. It's astonishing the way in which the Lord is revealing himself to people in their dreams. He's on the move, all right? We just, he just wants us to, to be part of presenting people, like those four chaps bringing their friend to Jesus, the paralytic. Remember, the paralytic brings them to Jesus. That was the story we heard last week. Terrific. And then, of course, the challenge. Don't forget the challenge. We still have one week. What was it? Invite five people to next week. Okay, we just heard about it. J. John, he's ready to go. We've got seven more days. Invite these folk to next Sunday morning. I just love the interviews we heard this morning. Martin and Gabriel uh, just beginning to just give little uh, an insight of some of the things that are happening. We still have seven days, so that's for all of us. Let's not forget. Well, as Esther, uh, as, as she mentioned, I, I'm part of a, an organization called WEC. That stands for Worldwide Evangelization for Christ, okay? W-E-C. And so it's, it's an organization I'm a part of, and it may sound like I'm an expert in the whole area of evangelization. I'll tell you, I'm not really an expert, okay? So last week you had Mark Ritchie, the evangelist. Next week you got J. John, the evangelist. And this week you got Malcolm, the ordinary guy, all right? That's the, <laughs> I mean, that's it. I'm not an evangelist. I'm part of a group called the Worldwide Evangelization for Christ because we need to go as a big group to support one another and encourage one another, spur one another on, because we're no experts, okay? It's just better to do it together, all right? We see the need, we see our inadequacies, we say we're going to have a go. Jesus said go, and I went. That's basically it. So daring to share is a lot about just obedience. Jesus said go and do it, and I say, all right. <laughs> I kind of sung about that not long ago. Here I give my life, come on. I owe all to you. Come on, these kind of words, this is obedience language that we sing about, all right? When Jesus says go, we go. I'm inadequate, but we go anyway, all right? That's the ordinary guy who's going to share this morning. Now, let's dive into a text. I wanted to look at Colossians, okay? Now, Colossians, uh, this is Paul writing to the church in Colossus. Now, as far as we know, Paul never actually went to Colossus. He was preaching in Ephesus, and a young man called Epaphras happened to be there. And he listened to Paul preaching, and he thought, ah, I want this. And he, he, he becomes a Jesus follower, praise the Lord. Paul spends some time with Epaphras, disciples him a bit, and Epaphras, a young believer, goes and plants a church in, in Colossus. Terrific. And then later he comes to find Paul and says, I could use some help. Could you give me some advice? about leading this church in Colossus. Possibly finds him, uh, he finds him in chains. He, so Paul is now imprisoned. So maybe in Rome he finds him in house arrest. So that's this letter to the Colossian church. So let's just read these few verses here from uh, Colossians chapter 4, uh, starting at verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. 
Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. All right, so now this is Paul trying to encourage not only Epaphras, this young church leader, but also these new believers in, this, in, this, in the church in, Col- in Colossus. And we do understand that from Colossus, we possibly saw at least two other church, churches being planted, like Laodicea and so on. So they took this on, all right, these instructions from Paul, and they put them into action. But let's look at them. So in this instruction about sort of being soul winners, Paul starts with this whole, this, all this prayer. It's, it's fabulous. Devote yourselves to prayer. He says, and pray for us too. Paul really sees the connection, and that came through in Martin's testimony, and I really appreciated that, how this, this is fundamental. We want this, uh, this is a season of soul winning. We're really feeling the Lord's wanting to, to get the good news out there. And it's here. It starts with prayer. And I have to commend this church. It's been so wonderful. And I've been really blessed being a part of this church the last few years and seeing not only do we say prayer is a priority, every church will say that, but to see it actually happening. 21 days of prayer. You know, it's the first thing that gets into the calendar. I, I bet Martin Nestor possibly got 21 days of prayer, 2024, already scribbled in, you know. It's that sort of thing. They mean it. This actually happens. Prayer, prayer and praise on Friday. City prayer and praise. Open heavens initiative. These are significant prayers. And then what, what Martin just brought up this morning as well, and, and Gabriel too, they're, they're praying, Lord, give us opportunities. And that's what we're seeing. This is exactly how Paul does it, okay? He's saying here, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. Now, this is missionary Paul, okay? Wow, extraordinaire. He's not creating opportunities. He's praying for God to create the opportunities. And Paul is positioning himself, always ready, whenever the opportunity comes. I'm ready, Lord, but I can't make these things happen. I'm going to pray them happening, you know. Lord, and he's, he's asking even these infant believers, could you pray for me, the, sort of the, the, the expert apostle evangelist? I mean, wow. Even the prayers of these new believers can make things happen. So let's not stop praying. In fact, let us make this our prayer for this season. Lord, that you would open a door for the message. Amen? Open the door for the message, whether that's in, in, in universities, hospitals, whether it's in, in charities or it's in banks, on construction sites, wherever. We're just going to pray that the Lord will open, open the door, open the door. And then, I mean, this is something we used to do in our church planting in Thailand. We're there. There's no churches anywhere, but we're there, just a little, a, just a little pocket of believers. We would meet together at 8 o'clock every morning. And we never put a time limit on this. We just said, however long it takes, sometimes half an hour, sometimes the whole morning. We say, guys, it's lunchtime. I think we should stop, you know. Um, And we would just spend time with the Lord and asking God to open the door. Open the door. Now, there was quite a spiritual sort of breakthrough that needed to take place in that context. That's part of opening the door. You know, rend the heavens. And come down, all right? Now, that's part of the opening the door, is actually doing something in that spiritual. 
the spiritual realm. It needs opening, cracking, rending. So that's part of it. But in those times of prayer, every morning, it, would, it was quite normal that a person or a place or a situation would come to mind. Later that day or later that week, we'd really aim to see if we could just go and visit that person, go have a chat with this one. And, and, and as came through in the interviews, you know, sometimes it's, it's someone you hadn't even thought about, and then it just comes to mind. But it's in those moments of prayer that, the, that sometimes I wonder if it's not so much God opening the door over there, sometimes wondering if it's sometimes opening the door here. You know, we hadn't spotted it, and God needed to open something in our own hearts to see it. And then Paul says that, I, that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. So he's already been in prison. He's in chains. This is not a great situation, you'd think. And yet he's eager for more. Dare to share. Come on. This guy, he has got boldness. He is willing to have a go. But what is this? Proclaim the mystery of Christ. It's an interesting way of saying it. What does mystery mean? Well, as far as I understand in the original Greek, this mystery is, is something like something that has not yet been revealed, not previously been revealed. All right? So this has been thing going about the Messiah, the Christ coming. And this it's a little bit like a whodunit. All right? Agatha Christie, Sherlock Holmes. You get through the whole book, get through the whole film. You're like, I think it's that person. I think it's that. There's clues here, there's clues there. You're just waiting for what? The big reveal, right? Usually the last scene, the last chapter, sometimes the last page, the big reveal. And you just, everyone loves that. Whoo, very satisfying. Ah, I knew it. And everyone just says, yeah, I knew it was him. And they never did, but they always say they knew it was him. And, uh, there's a sense of justice. It's like, ah, finally, it all comes together. It all fits. We look for that big reveal. There's something about Jesus, which is the big reveal. God's been talking about this for, for hundreds of years. And here, the big reveal. And, and Paul has this privilege of saying, hey, I've got the big reveal. Are you ready? All the pieces put together, and boom, proclaim the mystery of Christ. He, he, he's being able to be the one that sort of brings reveals something that has been not yet revealed up to that point. It's really interesting. And I, I remember walking in some Thai villages and just feeling almost, there were times I almost paused and thought, I'm actually walking on a sacred ground here because as far as they know, the gospel's never come here before. And today, the gospel's coming to this village. And just thinking, that was a special moment. <laughs> Something's going to be revealed today. That has been a mystery up to this moment, up to this day. It's a special thing. It really is. Proclaim the mystery of the gospel, uh, mystery of the Christ. But I'll just, uh, allow me just to share something which may seem obvious, but allow me to do it. Um, a few months ago in our life group, we had, we had an evening on what is the gospel? You think, oh, that's, that should take us a few minutes, and then uh, we'll, we'll think, well, what do we talk about next? took us the whole evening. And then we got to the end of the evening and thought, well, we should do this again because it was rich. It was deep. It was profound. And I would encourage any life group leaders here, seriously consider having an evening on what is the gospel. Don't assume that we all just know what this is. Now, I'm going to give you a small spoiler, perhaps, just a few of my own thoughts, but please have the discussion. But let me just suggest it's something like this, okay? When you've got that moment, what do we say? 
So here's Malcolm's little humble uh, suggestion. Jesus is God with us. Come to show us God's love, save us from sin, set up God's kingdom so that we can share in God's life. All right? There's an awful lot in that. I'm telling you, you could have several evenings of your life group just discussing each of those. But that's what we're talking about, the gospel. Revealing who is Jesus? What is the good news? After all, that's what evangel means. Good news. And think about it. We talk about the need is greater than my, uh, my inadequacy. What is that need? So, in, uh, we, this, the commentary is filled with people who are lonely. They just think they're going through life by themselves. And then the good news here, Jesus is God with us. You're not by yourself. Emmanuel, that's great news. Come to show us God's love. Think about the people out there who think they're not valued, no, have no worth, nobody knows their name, nobody even knows where they get out of bed in the morning. No one cares about them. Jesus came to show us God's love. How God would say, let the children come to me. How God would say, uh, how we, we see Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners uh, because they, they invited him because they wanted him. All right? How he sits there at, at the well with a Samaritan woman. Just the way in which he demonstrates love in all of these ways. This is great news, everyone. Great news. And then, think about the folk out there. Burdened with guilt, shame. They've got bad habits they can't shake. They're looking for breakthrough. And then you say, did you know Jesus, he's come to save us from sin? Friends, this is good news. This is what people are looking for, all right? And then, you've got a society out there. So values are all getting a little bit iffy, you know? People are starting to think things are uh, getting a little pear-shaped. People are a little uncomfortable with the way things are going in, in, a, in a lot of respects. And we say, you know what? Jesus came to set up God's kingdom. This countercultural kingdom, all right? Where it's not selfishly dog eat dog any longer. This is all about this selfless giving worth to another at cost to yourself. The whole thing's upside down and saying, this is what Jesus has instituted right here. It's something beautiful. And it's by subterfuge, it's, it's filling the earth. It's a beautiful thing. This is good news. And there are all these people. I don't even know if my life has any purpose, if there's any plan, any meaning to it. And then we say, yeah, you're being invited into God's, to share in God's life. God has been around since the beginning of time. He's got this plan and purpose for everything, including you. This is good news, everyone. Now, you possibly didn't need me to share the gospel. I'm just saying, this is what people out there need. And this is great news. And then we go on. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Now, there's many ways we could explore this. What does it mean to be wise? Well, I mean, I, I think Gabriel, I think he was pretty wise just this morning. Uh, it's just a small thing, but Uber driver says, so where are you heading? Church. He knew that that was going to be uh, uh, he could have said, oh, I'm just going into town. But he just makes, it's a small thing. He knows this, this is going to lead something. It's just in the moment, making the most of every opportunity, just being 
So wisdom is not, it's not big, big things. It's just those little moments, those little decisions that we make. All right? Tomorrow, Mondays, Mondays are great, everybody. What happens on Mondays? People say, how was your weekend? Right? Right? I'm talking about the little things. All right? Being wise. Making the most of it. You could say whatever you want. Oh, I had a good sleep. Oh, I had a great meal. You could say whatever you did on Saturday. Why not choose to say what you did on Sunday, you know? It's the little things, everybody. But these are opportunities. God, we're praying, give us opportunities. God, give an opportunity. Say, come on, guys. The guy asked you what you did on the weekend. You, oh, you said I watched a movie. Like, God is making opportunities. But are you really in position and willing to take those opportunities? Be wise. Make the most of every opportunity. I was in Thailand once. We were in a place called Samngao. Um, and uh, we were... <laughs> I managed uh, to meet with, with one of the Buddhist monks there. We just got chatting, and um, I thought, okay, uh, see where this one goes. Sometimes you're never quite sure when you're talking to a Buddhist monk quite how they want to take it. But um, yeah, we had a good conversation, and we decided to sit down on a bench and carry on. I was just asking him a bunch of things about how, how things were going, how he's finding his time in the, in the temple. So that was me, just wanting to be wise, not, not go straight in gung-ho, just start to listen to him. All right, it's part of the wisdom bit. You know, as soon as he sees I'm interested in listening to him, he's just increasing a level of trust in our very, very short relationship. Okay, But I'm not going in there forcing what I want to say. I'm letting him be the first one to talk. And then he turns it around. He asks his first question to me. Okay, I was just waiting for that because questions uh, um, are, are really powerful. Um, so I keep asking him questions until he asks me questions. That's just a little tip, a little piece of wisdom I've learned in this whole daring to share bit. It just seems to work most of the time. If you keep asking questions, there will come a point when either they feel obliged to ask you a question because you've asked it, or you're asking them so many, they're trying to divert the conversation, saying, hey, 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 how about you do some, more, some of the talking now? But whatever the case, when that, when that conversation switches, now they're asking you questions, then all of a sudden, he's giving you permission to tell him something. He's asked you, so you're just responding to his question. All of a sudden, he's now giving you permission to say something. So the monk, he said this. He said, what does this mean? What does that mean? I thought, wow, what's that? You know, uh, what's that, like letter X? Yeah, I do get a lot of people asking me about English language and things, but no one's ever asked me about the letter X before. And so I thought, surely that's what I said. The X? Really? English? No, 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 no. And he tried. Now, Buddhist monks are not supposed to put their hands above their shoulder, okay? So he's doing his utmost not to um, go over his shoulder. And he makes this symbol. He doesn't know what it's called, but he's seen the symbol. <laughs> he said, what is that? And I thought, wow. <laughs> Here we are praying for open opportunities, and then a monk asked me about that symbol. I was like, wow. I go, you mean the cross? He said, I don't know what it's called. It's just that I said, I think I know what you're talking about. So <laughs> I don't, if it's something else, I don't care. I'm just going to say, you ask me, I'm going to tell you. Um, now, in, I can't go through the whole story. In Buddhism, there is no God. It's an atheistic philosophy. So you can't just say God made the world. He's like, who did what? So, okay, before Genesis. And so you have the whole pre-Genesis chat you have to have. But uh, he's got time. Buddhist monks tend to have a lot of time. 
They're meant to meditate on a lot of things, and they have a lot of hours to do it. So uh, he's very helpful. I mean, he doesn't mind if I help him with his meditating, if you know what I mean. So anyway, so we start right from the beginning. He's very happy with that. We go through the whole story of uh, creation and fall and nation and all this sort of thing, and Israel. You bring in Jesus. Oh, oh, I think I've heard the name Jesus. Well, that's great. That's great. And then, and then you come to the cross, and he was delighted. This was a great. This took this took a little while, um, but he was lapping this up because he asked me the question. Right? He, I'm just answering his question. And so now we're getting to the cross bit. We get into that death, resurrection. Oh, this is amazing. He's really enjoying it until I say one word. I said the word forgiveness. And then he said, oh, come on. We're having a great theological conversation, and now you've turned it to fairy tales. As soon as I said forgiveness, they've got this karma thing going on, all right? And much of the world is karma. You get what you deserve. So tam di dai di, tam chua dai chua. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. They learn it from when they were three, you know. They can all say that. And so there's no way you can just snap your fingers and like do bad and get good. You just can't do that. Forgiveness, oh, that's fairy tale stuff. You know, they wish, but it's not true. Anyway, I can't, um, we don't have time for me to go into that story. But it's an opportunity. And if nothing else, at the end of that day, I've let the monk just go away thinking, is forgiveness real? <laughs> Can it really happen? So I've just left him with a question. I wish I could have gone a step further. But, you know, we accomplished quite a bit in that one day. You know, <laughs> all right? So it's, it's not all going to happen in the moment. But my goodness, I believe he's taken a significant step at least. You know, at least he knows what to call it. You know, so um, anyway. Anyway, so let's, uh, let's just move on for the sake of time. So let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now before, Paul was saying, pray that we may proclaim as we should. Now he's talking about conversation. There's different styles of evangelism. Proclaiming is like declaring truth. So next week, J. John's going to proclaim the gospel. All right? But now, Paul's saying, let your conversation. So it's different. Conversation is more dialogue. Right? We need dialogue. And, and that's what I was having with the monk. Dialogue. I listen to him. He listens to me. And that's a very natural way of doing things. We do it all the time. And so here, let your conversation be always full of grace. And I, I interpret the full of grace. When you're listening to someone else, they're going to say stuff you don't agree with. They're going to say stuff maybe he's wrong. Maybe stuff... Eh. In those moments, instead of just correcting immediately... <laughs> Maybe you just apply a little bit of grace in those conversations, okay? Some things, you just need to use wisdom. Maybe this one, oh, you know, they're gossiping about something. Sorry, I'm not going to go. I don't want to be part of gossiping about somebody else. But if they're just saying stuff in their ignorance, they're saying stuff. You don't need to correct them at every moment. Let them tell their stories, all right? A little bit of grace will go a long way. And then seasoned with salt. I'll just tell this briefly before we have to finish. But uh, an American missionary came to Thailand, really had a heart to reach out to Thai men. I, had a, I really wanted to reach out to Thai men. So a lot more women coming to the Lord, and Thai men, it wasn't so easy. And we sort of summarize it very simplistically. But Thai men do one of three things. They work, they drink, and they football. Okay, so that's basically it. 
And so uh, that's, that's an oversimplification. I love time in, and if any are listening, I, I mean no offense, but that was a very oversimplistic way of looking at it. So, so we spent some time in the fields trying to work alongside them, harvesting rice. That's tough work. And, and when you're planting rice, hot sun, whatever else, and when you stop for a break, everyone just out for it. They just want a quick nap before they have to carry on. Not an easy place to share gospel in the workplace in, in, in Thailand. And then on their way home from work, they buy a whiskey. And they've already finished half the bottle by the time they get home. And they're starting into their drinking. Um, and I've had great conversations around that table. They're all drinking their whiskey. Wow, they're going real deep, deeper than they ever would ordinarily. And then in the morning, they say, hey, great chat last night. They're like, great what? Uh, say, oh, we talked about Jesus. No, we didn't. Yes, we did. And they have no recollection of it. So I thought, ah, you know, so ministering to to. To, to folk like that, that just wasn't really working out. So what are we left with? Football. All right, I don't mind talking football. But this American guy, he knew nothing about football. But he realized this was it. This was the thing. that was. This was going to be the, the way in. And so he said, English Premier League. I know nothing about it. And this American guy, for some reason, he picked Arsenal, became an Arsenal fan. And uh, I don't know why. And he, he, he knew everything about Arsenal, about how many red cards they'd had three seasons ago and how it was unjust and he was against all, all the referees were anti-Arsenal. This American, he went so deep. I, thought you, I think you've gone a little too deep, actually. But it was all so that he could have intelligent conversations with Thai men. And it worked. That was the ticket. That was his conversation in. And that was the way that he could, uh, that he could make those connections. I'll invite the band up. I've only tried to just give a few little, little lessons that I've learned over the years. There's so much more we could say. I did want to just share, we don't have time, but I'll try to give the, the quickest summary here. There's Paul himself, he does a lot of this uh, really well. And if you look in Acts 17, we don't have time to look at it now. He's in Athens. It's a city filled with idols. He finds it disgusting, detestable as a Jew to see all these idols. Jews and idolatry, ah, they're absolutely disgusted. But he just looks around saying, Lord, I'm, he's looking around. Lord, what can I do here? And it, he feels greatly distressed. That's what it said, great distress. And then he thinks, okay. And they invite him to come and speak. And he says, you know, you've got one of these idols to the unknown God. He said, I commend you. You are a very religious. And he, he doesn't start by laying into them, judging them, whatever. He's finding the point of connection, you see. Now, and then the Lord gives him an opportunity, he takes that. The, but the point I wanted to make was this. We think, oh, we can't speak like Paul speaks. But I suggest maybe it's because we don't see like Paul sees. It started with the way he saw. He saw the idols and instead of saying, I'm away, I can't, I can't do this. I'm just walking away. This is disgusting, detestable. No, he starts to look in a way that considers, Lord, what are you doing here? Where's the connection point? Obviously, these idols represent that this is a hurting people looking for something. And he finds that point of connection. In our workplaces, in our, in our universities, in our schools, wherever we are, all right, people are hurting. People are broken. They're looking for things. Look for those as clues. Don't be disgusted and detested by these things straight away, but allow it to go a little further to see what is it pointing to. All right, where's that moment of connection we can bring in? Say, I commend you that you're looking. 
All right. I'll wrap it up there with a prayer, and then we'll just hand over to the band. Father, say thanking you so much for your presence with us, for the way in which you are opening opportunities more than we know. Lord, there will be a day when we'll think, oh, I missed that one, and oh, I missed that one. But Lord, you are so faithful. We spoke about that. We sang about that this morning. You are so faithful in continuing, so gracious in continuing to open doors to create opportunities. Father God, this is a season that you are calling us as a church, that we would be those opportunity takers. Lord Jesus, as you create them. Lord, those moments, the little moments when we could go this way or that, Jesus, I pray for that boldness to fill each and every one here in the room today. Lord Jesus, that we would not be afraid to say, you know what, I went to church. You know what, There's a, would you mind coming next week? There's going to be a great thing next week. It, it, yeah. Lord, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. And Father, I do pray that you would give us that balance, that grace in our conversation, that you'd help us to season it with salt, Lord Jesus, uh, that just makes those conversations a little interesting. The way in which wherever you went, people wanted to be with you. The, the, the sinners, they invited you, said, why don't you have a meal? You went into the desert, 5,000 followed you because there was something about the way you spoke. People didn't feel judged. They thought, I quite like listening to this guy. And Lord, if you could help us to Season our conversations with salt like that. Lord, we receive that today. Lord, may this be the season indeed when we will see the harvest. The harvest is white. We can see that, Lord. And you say, Lord, we just pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers. And Lord, here we are. Here we are, Lord Jesus, committed to going out into that harvest field. Hallelujah. Lord, we pray all of this, all of this for your for your name, for your renown, for your glory. It's all about you, Lord Jesus, that we can see thousands on the streets of Coventry blessing the nation and then the nations, Father God, just lifting your name ever higher. Lord Jesus, it's all about you. So, Lord Jesus, we say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.